0: This is Channel 253. The Citizen Tacoma Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candace Rood, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Candice. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma Podcast, informing an empowered electorate. I
1: thought we were empowering an informed electorate. In, in the, the city, city of destiny. destiny.
2: Citizen
3: Tacoma. My heart.
0: Hi, Doug. Hi, Candice. So today we had our very first interview with a Tacoma school board candidate, Lisa Keating. Listen in. Welcome to Citizen Tacoma. We're here today with Lisa Keating. She's running for Tacoma school board, position one. How are you doing, Lisa? I'm great, thanks. Thanks. How are you, Candice? Good. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, I love being here. It is intoxicatingly fall outside right now.
3: I was outside for hours yesterday and today. It's like beautiful, crisp, Mm -hmm. sunny-ish, and yeah. Were you doorbelling? Um, yes. Nice. That's what I do with most of my time. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, yeah, I imagine. What's that like? Um, I actually really like that. Doorbelling is um, surprisingly one of my favorite things about campaigning. Um, I've doorbelled everywhere around the city. Um, I don't think there's a neighborhood I haven't gone to, maybe not like a specific door, but mm-hmm. I've been all over the city. And, um it's really fun to see Tacoma in this way, to walk around and actually go, like, walk through neighborhoods and get to know neighborhoods. Um, and um, there's just a lot of similarities no matter where you're at in Tacoma. Um, but I really like talking to people um, at the doors. And I like to hear what they have to say and what they're concerned about um, and what, what's important to them. Mm. What are the similarities? Hinter, um, well... I think like, um, well, first of all, there are the coolest painted doors yes, all over Tacoma. So much so that I painted my my front door. I was so inspired. Nice. Um, but so like people put a lot of care into their homes mm-hmm. and um, they often know their neighbors and they'll often tell me, well, are you going to that house? They have, they're a teacher or they're, they have grandkids or they have like, they know their neighbors. So there's that commonality. Um, and generally people really care about Tacoma. Even oh. if they're frustrated, they still really care.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. That, I, I kind of like, I mean, this would be really weird of me, but I kind of just want to like knock on doors and just start asking people questions like, <laughs> I'm not running for anything. I'm just wondering what you think about
3: Click. <laughs> or you'll probably be like, get the fuck off my front porch. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. I, mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, there are some folks that definitely don't want to be bothered. Um, they just don't want anybody to bother them. And that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with me or whomever, right. um, any of my volunteers. It's not about that. Uh, For the most part, I do think – and I wonder if it would be different if I were running for something that was more partisan Mm. because the school board positions are nonpartisan, citywide positions. Um, I wonder if maybe – and I'm also talking about education. So I'm asking about schools Mm -hmm. and kids. And most people say, well, I care about school. Mm -hmm. I mean I care about kids. So I'm not talking about anything necessarily controversial. Mm -hmm. right? I'm not talking about – I'm not asking about anything that isn't – Most people went through school of some kind. So they have at least a connection to the experience of going to school. Mm -hmm. Um, And generally, um, the voters that I've talked to, they all genuinely care about um, Tacoma Public Schools and students, and they really care about teachers. Even if they're not parents? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yep. And if they say, you know, often, like I talked to some somebody actually earlier this afternoon, they're like, I don't have kids, but I think education is really important. And I, you know, I'm happy to pay mm-hmm. in my, you know, my share in taxes. Like, I'm happy to do that. Um, so most people feel totally fine about it. There's people that have varying frustrations,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, whether they— whether that's about how much they pay in taxes, how much property taxes go their personal property taxes, right? I've talked to a lot of retired um, folks that you know, like it's hard, yeah, and absolutely. they're they're in this kind of dual position where they they care mm-hmm. about our schools and then they're they also have to take care of themselves and their families, mm-hmm. right? And they you know they are trying to stay in their homes as long as possible, and um, high taxes tend to impact that. So. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I've
0: mentioned this several times times before but I moved here from New York and I covered Long Island and uh school taxes are obviously like the hugest chunk of your property taxes there and property taxes there range from like $15 to $25,000 a year. It's insane. So like I I mean when I came here I, and I don't own a home but I came here I was like oh property taxes are super cheap but it's still a hardship for people and mm-hmm. that makes sense. But Tacoma just like cares so much about everything, Tacoma. <laughs> <Right>. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's like, really true. I just think of, like, Tacoma creates passing, like, as, as mm-hmm. hugely as it did. And, yeah, Tacoma's just with it, for sure. So, Lisa,
3: tell us about yourself. Well, I am born and bred from um, from Tacoma, from Tacoma lived here my whole life um i also graduated from tacoma public schools um i went all the way through um graduated many years ago and um i also um i have a daughter who um is just started high school this year um which is great i liked i told voters all summer that we survived middle school (laughs) which is a real thing and um so what else about me um I've had a small business. I um, was a massage therapist for about 18 years, and I ran a business for close to 16 until I had an injury that forced me to close my business down. Um, And so I did that work throughout the community. and I, what else? Oh, I'm a commissioner for the Human Services Commission mm-hmm. for the City of Tacoma, um, which I was recruited as a volunteer to do that through their competitive funding cycle a number of years ago, and um, I felt like I was doing double, like it felt like jury duty, but almost more important. <laughs> um, and and not to not to but you don't get paid. Well, you no, know, it's a volunteer, mm-hmm. but like jury duty. Um, I've not done jury duty Me so either. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that however I felt like there was a really high level of responsibility that I had because part of what the commission does is we make we review and make recommendations to the city council mm-hmm. and the mayor's office on funding for human services across the city mm-hmm. and I have worked on the team that reviews funding for homelessness food insecurity mental health substance abuse and domestic violence wow. which are things that we are actively talking about throughout, the you know, throughout Tacoma, throughout Pierce County. Um, there are things that um, impact our schools and our students and our, the, you know, staff. Um, it's really, they're really complicated issues. And there are some really exceptional organizations and programs doing, um, trying to address these issues, trying to meet these needs, reduce barriers. Um, And, I mean, I thought I knew a lot about Tacoma before I I did this work. Um, And after, I mean, we read and rate grant applications, Mm. which grant reading is not –
2: yeah, like it's intense. That's God's work.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's really intense. And then the whole oral board. So like it's um. So I understand like listening to um, a presentation and having to think critically and ask um, questions, equitable questions, mm-hmm. and ask possibly hard questions that people really aren't prepared or maybe their organization is um, not doing that work well. Mm-hmm. And so how do we hold them accountable to make sure that every single individual, regardless. Of their identities and their intersections have access to whatever services are being provided. Right. And that they're doing – they're providing the services
0: and meeting the numbers that they've been tasked with and that they're getting paid for. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah.
3: So um, so I was really – it's its an overwhelming amount of work, which um, kudos to the city. They're really working hard to make that work on, on us commissioners um, – more manageable. Mm-hmm. And yet it's kind of part of it. Um, and I know that the other commissioners I work with are extremely dedicated and we all care deeply and we are really um, hold ourselves accountable to doing the best possible work we can do and collectively. Um, so I'm really honored to be a part of that um, committee. And actually, I talked with Senator um, Darnial recently, okay. and she said that she actually started on the Human Services Commission really? a long time ago.
0: That's a it's a good trajectory then. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I was at the meeting where you were appointed. where you uh, at that? Right? It was like two, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. It's, it was like one of the, last, the very last, um, I can't even remember what committee meeting it was, but it was one of the very last ones I was at. I think I remember seeing you there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So what, like, I'm curious, like, what kind of hours you put in as a commissioner? Like, how, how, what is that workload
3: like? Um, Well, the workload um, outside of the competitive funding cycle mm-hmm. um, isn't, oh, we have a meeting once, once a month. Um, we have um, access to be able to attend, like, any equity training or things that the city is putting on for its employees so Mm -hmm. depending Um, but um, so there's that and then but once we enter a competitive funding cycle um, then we have um, we're each group, each team um, has a certain number of um, grants Mm -hmm. to review. And because I have been on the team that reviews the issues that I mentioned earlier, there is more services provided, right? There's more programs. So there's a higher amount of grants to review. Um, And so I don't know, like, I would say anywhere between 30 because you have to read them you have to rate them and then anything that you write is all public comment so you have to be very mindful of that or I have you know I'm very mindful of that and then you go through this application sucks <laughs> right <laughs> Well, I, I want to be responsible, right? I want to be professional, and mm-hmm. I want you know because if I if I do say something in a grant application or you know after an oral interview, I, if, I I'm accountable to whatever right. I put down. So it's really important to me that I I do my own due diligence and that I am um, equitable in how whatever it is that mm-hmm. I'm asking and requiring of them. I just want to be really. Um, I work hard to be. Um, as equitable as possible in whatever my criticisms or, um, not criticisms, it's really more analyzing. Analyzing of the reviews? Yeah. So the workload, I guess, like, I don't know, maybe 40, I might have put in like 40 hours um, and, and you have to do that in like a, three-week period Mm -hmm. Um, so they're also shifting that again the city's trying to make it easier Um, but the last time around like I put in I probably put in close to 40 hours Mm -hmm. um, and it was in about a two and a half to three-week period so it was super intense
0: what do you think the workload is on the school board like do they meet every two weeks and like how much time do you think that
3: yeah um so um, I don't have the schedule committed to memory. Mm. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but I, I, um, there are weekly meetings, but then there's also gaps. There, you know, because holidays or mm-hmm. uh, you know in the summertime that schedule, you know, changes as well mm-hmm. depending on the business of um, the school board. So there's less um, school board meetings during the week, or excuse me, during the summer. Um, and then I know there's study sessions. So um, I would, I, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I would imagine there could be anywhere between. You know, maybe 15 to 20 hours, Mm -hmm. maybe 15 hours a week, maybe a little bit. I'm I'm not, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it depends on engagement with the public and constituents. Um, So that's a great question. And I'm not really clear on what that would Mm -hmm. look like. Yeah, and they're not they're not paid, right? Paid. No, okay. it's um so there's six year terms, and there is an annual stipend. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard anywhere between forty eight hundred to five thousand. So, but it's around fifty dollars per meeting is what you get a stipend for. Okay, cool.
0: Um, so on on your website, you have you uh, first have you run for office before? No. Okay, so your first time. Um, on your website, you talk about the need for equity in Tacoma schools. Um, so what is that? And if you've already talked about that in your you know. Mm -hmm. Um, being on the Human Services Commission. Um, So what does that mean to you in terms of policy as Mm -hmm. a potential board member?
3: Um, Well, the work that I've done on diversity, equity, and inclusion um, really started with – within the school district, it started with um, – around 2011, I was invited in to participate in a committee called the Harassment, Intimidation, Bullying Committee. And that – it was a really big, diverse – committee made up of administrators, teachers, students, parents, community members, um, Tacoma Public, uh, uh, TPD. Um, So it was a really diverse group of people. And our task was to update the, so HIB for short, harassment, intimidation, bullying Mm -hmm. is HIB. So the HIB policy needed to be updated to align with the state law. Um, that included um, anti-discrimination protections for gender identity and sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. So the school, di- uh, every school district in the state had to update their HIB policy to align with that. And um, I say this as if it's fact. Someone might correct me, but I'm pretty sure this is true. Tacoma was the first okay. district to take this work on. Um, and that was led by Dr. Jennifer Cabista, who used to be um, the head of Student Life and the um, what Student Life – you then grew into the whole child. um and mm-hmm. so, and she led so much of that work. Um she's not with the district any longer. She's um, a superintendent in Central Oregon mm. school district, I think. um but so she um had invited me in along with Bernadette Ray, who was um, working um along with Jen, um and so we were tasked with figuring out like how do we do that? Like mm-hmm. how do we how do we create policy that aligns with state law and then, you know, like our role wasn't about the implementation of that, right? When this committee worked, it was like making sure that it's done. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? So, um so equity was a big part of that conversation and over the 2 years that we um close to 2 years that we met and um for me equity is around um like there's a difference between equality and equity. Sure. So equality is where everyone is treated equal, mm-hmm. but not everyone has equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. So equity is about how do you identify the the in equity or the the areas where people aren't don't have equ ec- e- not equitable equal access. Right. All the e words are getting all tangled. <laughs> um, and so it's about for me when I when I approach that kind of work, it's. Identifying where are the areas that who, who are facing the, the highest barriers, um, who feels the most marginalized or is the most marginalized based on how systems are designed? Mm-hmm. Um, because we have, I mean, public education is a system designed to leave very certain people out. Right. So, how do we improve that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of that is around um, an acknowledgment that there are folks or students specifically in this situation, but that students that don't have equal access, yes. how do we figure that out? Mm-hmm. And then what do we do? Right? Not like everyone's identi- starting from the same place. Right. You have yeah. to identify the problem. Mm-hmm. So identifying the problem and then figuring out what what is it that's missing and then how do we eliminate those barriers right, mm-hmm. or those disparate barriers? Um, discrepancies like or disparities like how do we do that and so part of work working within a framework of equity to me is to make sure that every single student or every person um, f- that um, feels that they have um, access to the same services, um, the same protections, mm-hmm. um, the same um, opportunities, so that you know they're on an even playing field. So there's like a really great um, c- cartoon where like there's a side by side and um, where yeah, there's the fence, right? I've seen that one. Yeah. And you see the boxes and then but it's around like who gets to be on the same how do we put everyone on the same plane mm-hmm. so that you can then move forward yes right and, and make and everyone's
0: box the start from the same height if you can exactly yeah or make it so that everyone ends up at the same place right that's I not mean, describing that well yeah, yeah No. 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 Yeah. Right? we're all the same
3: height <laughs> right. right rather than one person has an advantage yes. because of whatever mm-hmm. whatever variables I'll put um, a link to that uh, that image it's, in the yeah. show
0: notes because it's very
3: it's very uh kind of profound yeah, yeah. i can see it in my head yes. and not, i don't know that i'm describing it well but it's a really it's a great visual because mm-hmm. what i end up ha- talking to folks about is they feel like well if someone else is given a chance like equity is about taking away from someone else mm-hmm. right but that yeah you know and often if that's the because we feel like i think when when individuals don't feel like they're even getting their own needs met mm. or their needs are such a struggle, no matter where they start at, right? Mm. No matter where they are in that, you know, that fence, right? If we if they have a sense that we're taking from them to give to someone else, right, right then people get defensive. That's why Trump is president. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or oh. <laughs> part of it, we don't have to go down that <laughs> hole, but <laughs> um, but yeah, no that's a that's a really good so yeah, some people they, they feel defensive about that
3: right so part of the part of the education outreach that I do mm-hmm. and the work that I've done within the district for the last ten years and in our community is to get people to understand it isn't about us versus them mm-hmm. right it's acknowledging you know we have like a, as a cisgender, um female white female i have had access to things yes. that someone who say is a transgender um, black female does not have the same access yep. to. So, what do I do in, like, if I'm in a position of influence or I have the ability to impact change or open the door for someone else, mm-hmm. how do I do that and make sure that whomever I'm bringing in doesn't just look like me? Right. Yep. 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 Right. Doesn't come from the same places that I come from mm-hmm. because. That, you know, first of all, I i mean, I didn't – that wasn't my school experience growing up in Tacoma. And so I don't – you know, like it's really important. I'm very curious about – and I've always been really curious about people that don't look like me. Yeah. Because I, I, I want to know. I want to understand. And I want to connect. And I want to – you know, I, I want to be um, a more informed Yeah person in this community Mm -hmm. so well-rounded
0: yeah 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 it's it's surprising how often you talk to someone who just like hasn't had any experience with people that aren't like them and Mm -hmm. you know and that's I mean familiarity kind of Breeds understanding, obviously, right. and like we were just talking about, it's hard to hate from up close. So
3: right, yeah. Well, and I, um, there was a voter I talked to today when I had talked about because I've done some work within our legislature um, that has um, bipartisan work on policy and legislation, and and this person was like, "Oh my gosh, like, how did you do that? That must have been really hard." And I was like, "Well, it, you know, it's no harder than any other hard conversation." Mm. And it's very difficult to deny someone's humanity when they're in front of you. Yes. Right? So, like, I've talked to people who I don't share some of their views, and they they don't share some of my views, and— in the position that I w- could be elected to, I represent the whole city, right? That position is representative of the entire district mm-hmm. and the entire city. So it is on me as the elected official to make sure that I hear and acknowledge the humanity in someone that doesn't necessarily see the things the same way as I do, as much as it is for those that do see things mm-hmm. the way I see things. Well put. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um so, this is a good answer that. Good answer to that question. Um, uh, so, I wanted to jump into kind of some of the issues surrounding the school board, um, and I guess why did why did you decide to run this time around?
3: Well, um, I spent. So I um, am a certified teaching artist. Um, the super, state superintendent has a program where um, artists can come and get certified through OSPI, um, Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction. Thank you. I think I did that. Yes. <laughs> I try not. To, I try to be my own acronym police. Um, and so I went through this program to become. So basically, it. Um, I was trained in the arts standards. Washington State Arts standards. So I can create learning plans, lesson plans, and then implement said plans in a school setting Mm -hmm. that align with the state standards. Um, So... Um, so I had been doing this work. Um, I created an anti-bullying program um, that I'm into my eighth year of doing where it's centered in art, team building, and community service. And so I kind of went backwards, and then I and then I went through the, the teaching artist certification after I'd already been doing that work. And so I spent a lot of time in classrooms working mm-hmm. alongside teachers. Um, I run after-school programming um, in schools. Um, I also do lunchtime recess programming. I've done whole school assemblies, dozens of them. So I work really closely or have worked really closely with school staff. And that isn't just the teacher, it's the pairs, it's the office Mm -hmm. coordinators, it's the custodians, it's the lunch, like, because when you're doing, when you're in a school building, you really get to know the staff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've spent a lot of time um, building some really... um, meaningful relationships with a lot of people that work within the district. Um, And the teacher strike, um, that is the second one as a parent that I've been through. Um, My daughter was in first grade when the last, the previous strike had happened, and I think it was 2011. Um, I was really frustrated. I was really disappointed. Like, I think more disappointed than frustrated because the messaging that was coming from the... um, the school district from this, you know, the executive leadership and from the school board was really targeted at teachers and blaming teachers. Yeah. And what I found really hard about that and disappointing is that I know it's way more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. So it felt really antagonistic and it was it felt disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt disrespectful because of the teachers that that have taught my own kid that I value in, in ways that I can't express because um, you have to, like, there's so much trust that goes into just sending your kid to school. <laughs> right? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting other people to love and invest and care for my child right. in a way that I would want, that I would do. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm trusting a system to give me the same or better human at the end of a school day, day in, day out. Right. So I was really frustrated with how how teachers were talked about and because I knew that there was it was just deeper than that and I felt Mm -hmm. the community as a whole felt insulted like we we can have a complicated conversation Right, right right we can have a conversation about something that maybe we don't agree with but if you explain it And if you're transparent, like, be transparent. yeah, Right, exactly. Or at least be accessible. Mm -hmm, Yes. And that was the other part about the board as a body. You were only hearing, we only heard from two people generally Mm -hmm. rather than as a body, right? They didn't, as an elected um, body, they didn't make themselves available to the community. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't understand why... um, uh, Director Leon was like there became this point where anytime you emailed the board about anything, you got this this canned email back, and it was from Director Leon, mm-hmm. and it didn't ever often had nothing to do. The response was just very generic. That's Enrique Leon. Enrique okay. Leon, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the the thing that I thought was really troubling to me is that why is he the one responding? Mm-hmm. He was appointed the February prior. So he'd been there less than six months. And that's the person that is having the most communication with the board when you have other board members who had been there longer. Mm -hmm. So that – like there were some things around. It felt like they were really isolating themselves. And and I think that an elected official – needs to be accessible to the to the the public and the community particularly in really complicated or um hard times mm-hmm. right when things are are difficult like that's when you get to step into that leadership mm-hmm. and say okay right like you just it's just... And it wouldn't have been that hard. It would have just taken right. like just
0: – just how about a, like a weekly update? Like a weekly just – you know, I don't know. just as a, I mean I wasn't – I don't think I was still a reporter with the News Tribune then. But like just it was frustrating seeing how – they were in their, like, glass tower, not able to be reached, and there was just no accountability and no transparency. Anyway, that's just my frustration.
3: But Well, and I think what that did, and and I don't want to assume what was or wasn't happening, right? Because mm-hmm. I have no idea, mm-hmm. right? What I know is what was reported, right? And the emails, responses that we got back, mm-hmm. or that I got back, I'll speak for myself. And it was so narrow in its response right the messaging was so narrow that i don't i don't know if they were having these hard conversations behind closed doors they mm-hmm. they very well it wouldn't surprise me if they were cuz i believe that the people that serve on our school board are there because they care mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's some, you know, I just think that... It's not enough money to do it (laughs) otherwise. You're at least, right, you're invested, right, right, by even running for office Mm -hmm. and, you know, asking to be, you know, elected to school board. It's because you care, right? Mm -hmm. These people care. I mean, I'm doing this because I care. So I think that the lack of accessibility, like that built a distrust, and when there's a distrust, it fractures, and then people start to make up stories and they start to believe things that may have some truth to them, maybe not, maybe, like, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so that's when rumors and conjecture can happen, and that's really harmful um, when you're serving a community. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think um, it's frustrating when people who have access to information, like school school information is not, easy to get. Like, it's uh, it's a matter of public record, but there's also a lot of protection around, like, just information that goes on. Student information in schools generally are not, I found as a reporter, as good at about sharing that information. Mm-hmm. And so it's really frustrating when the people who do have access and are supposed to be in that position because they care don't share that access and don't share that information. Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to ask you about the strike. Um, so how, I mean, how would you handle that differently? Or how would you prevent one from happening if you could?
3: Um so handling differently those are like two different questions. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So handling it differently I I think um I have a lot of experience having really hard conversations, complicated conversations. And so I um if I were if I had been on the board um and again, this is all conjecture cuz I wasn't so you know, I, um, I imagine that I would make myself accessible to the community. Um, I, I really learn a lot by – I've done a lot of listening sessions um, with teachers particularly since running um, and with some families. Um, so h- holding an opportunity where people to c- can come and just share what mm-hmm. are their frustrations. Um and what you know okay so here's some information about that right like if I have an ability to address that frustration or I can say this is how I will follow up with this and this is how I would like you to hold me accountable to that mm-hmm. um, so I would I mean that's generally my I come in with a lot of questions seeking to understand versus coming in with an agenda mm-hmm. um, because I see myself as part of a bigger um collective and it's it's on me to to integrate into right so it would be on me to integrate in, into within the other school board directors right. so that I understand where are they coming from, right? What are what do they know? What has happened in the past that maybe I don't have understanding of or information to. And how do I come to form my own opinions? And, and I would rely on my colleagues in order to be able to do that. Um, and um, I just feel like any time that someone feels heard, like when you go to a school board meeting, you're talking at the school board mm-hmm. and the superintendent and deputy superintendent. But it isn't a conversation. And we don't have just si- similar to um, Citizens Forum, yeah. right? It isn't a conversation, and that's what I think. What frustrates
0: people because they they want they're up there asking questions and they want answers, right? Yeah.
3: And one of the things that as as I've you know that all the doors that I've knocked so far, the thing that I ask people is, what's important to you about our schools mm. and our school board? And most responses, people. Are, come back and they say mm, no one's really asked me my opinion before
2: hmm.
3: and i think it really opens this opportunity because sometimes i can answer they might think well the schools have never never done this and i'm like well actually because i have people that tell me um they don't teach how to read a clock or um uh cursive or and i'm like well my my kids learned those things. like right. my daughter learned all these things so
0: who needs cursive
3: well, there's science, that brain science, that it actually makes connection and it helps math. Okay. So there, like cursive okay. writing, I'm not saying I do it really well anymore. Sure. And there's there's evidence that it is helpful. Okay. Um, but, and I'm I'm not a certificated teacher, so I, I don't want to, you know, say something that's totally sideways. But um, I think often when we feel like we someone actually wants to know our opinion, right, elected officials don't often ask our opinion Mm -hmm. things get decided upon and then and then we find out after the fact and then it feels like we're out of like as 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 residents we're pushed out of that equation right Mm -hmm. we're pushed out of the solution and the conversation and that's when inequities can happen that's when people can feel more marginalized or left out or um just not valued Mm -hmm. so i think Um, I, you know, that's that's just my general approach to coming to understand anyone. Um, And so I would do the same or some, you know, similar and help um, as a school board director and and help increase the dialogue. Right. Because I I think people are okay with not liking the answer if they're at least given an answer. Right. Yeah, that's true. Before a decision's been made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All
0: right. We're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Hi, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 sister podcast, We Art Tacoma. Here's a confession. I haven't been in a really bad earthquake. The worst I can remember happened when I was playing the board game Risk with my friends and it just messed up the armies on the board. So, very tame stuff. But since I don't know what it's truly like, it makes me want to be even more prepared for when the big one hits, or even just the medium one. That's why I'll be participating in the Great Washington Shakeout on October 17th at 10.17 a.m. Everyone in the state is encouraged to take a minute to drop, cover, and hold on just like you would in a real earthquake. Everyone, especially those like me who haven't been in a bad earthquake, needs to build muscle memory. It's good practice to make sure you don't run out the door and get hit by falling debris in the next big earthquake. So do it for real with the Great Washington Shakeout. Get down on the floor and hold on then do one more thing. Work on that emergency kit, secure those bookshelves, move those giant frames from over your bed so they don't crush you. Again, ShakeOut is scheduled for 1017 a.m. on October 17th. Got that? 1017 on 1017. Easy to remember. You can learn more at shakeout.org Washington. Use hashtag ShakeOut on social media to post ShakeOut selfies after. Thanks to The Great Washington Shakeout for sponsoring this episode of Channel 253.
0: All right. Welcome back. If you're enjoying this conversation and I've totally lost track of which candidate interview this is in our long-ass series of fall candidate interviews, um, please, please. Become a member of Channel 253. It's $4 a month or $40 a year. And $4 a month, I believe, is roughly the price of a Crunchwrap at Taco Bell. So, scream and deal. Uh, you go to channel com slash membership, and thank you.
3: I could say I'm a member. Yeah, hell yeah. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> so, we
0: were talking about the teacher strike, and I want to talk about that was obviously, like, the, the biggest... Tacoma Public Schools news over the last year, um, but and after that, uh, we there have been news of huge amounts of layoffs, mm-hmm. mostly like administrative staff. Um, but so another thing that people ask about and that I've wondered about myself is, uh, administrator salaries are really high within the district, or they feel really high. Uh, superintendent makes about three hundred thousand a year. Um, there's like I think something like eight administrators making more than one seventy five a year. Um, and so with that and layoffs, I mean, do you have any like feelings or stance on on those salaries and and I mean how we could maybe prevent further layoffs?
3: Did those the, things match? <laughs> yeah, the the great question. Um, I yeah, I learned about the um, salaries um, in when everybody else did mm-hmm. last year. Um, was it Sean Robinson that yeah. reported that? Yeah. Um, so it was really shocking to see those numbers, um, and I think, like I, I don't know how those decisions were made, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, or approved of, like, and what was that? How how were they? Um, were was that? How were they justified? Right, right. I don't want to assume they weren't justified. But, again, we don't have access to how some of these decisions are made. Um, it does seem really troubling. And I also – when you look at state a statewide um, scale of other um, superintendents and um, similar-sized districts and um, – and, and not just superintendent, but, you know, the entire executive leadership, like the salaries are – like that – not – I don't I, – it's not that I don't think people should be paid well. Right. Right? Particularly for really um, high-impact jobs and, and, and really um, critical jobs. I think people deserve to be paid really well. Right. And what I don't understand is how in less than a 10-year span they could – what, if I remember correctly, seem to have doubled – and and when other salaries didn't, mm-hmm. right? Like, teacher salaries stagnated, mm-hmm. and yet the, you know, the central administration salaries, they continued to increase by a high percentage. Mm-hmm. So I I really have— Well, it's a- like the 1%, like the whole, like,
0: argument that, you know, CEOs and companies continue to make, like, tons and tons of more money and salaries go up, but the salary of the average worker hasn't really gone up since the 70s when mm-hmm. adjusted for
3: inflation. Anyway— yeah, so I just don't know what the justification was. Um, and was that because, for example, for um, Superintendent Santorno, was that because, like, a competitive thing on a national um, salary scale? But we don't have access mm-hmm. to that information to, again, maybe we don't like the answer, but if we had an answer as to this is how we got here, mm-hmm. this is why these decisions were approved of, um, I think is really important um, for— Again, so that we have faith in our elected bodies, right right, so we have faith in a school board mm-hmm. and that we have faith in our our um central administration mm-hmm. um, so in terms of layoffs, um, there have been some really troubling layoffs. Um, and then it, they just they blamed the the raise in teacher salaries essentially. Right, Very right. frustrating. Yeah. And I actually doorbelled a teacher this afternoon, one of my last doors I was at. Um, and this teacher talked about how um, some of the cuts that that this teacher has to see is their only um, able to make X number of copies now. So the number of copies they can make for their students has dramatically decreased. Mm. Now, this is just someone sharing information. So I don't, you know, like I haven't fact checked any of this. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But it's not the first time I know that my daughter is now like if she loses her homework, she can't get a copy of it. (sighs) Wow. So, so there's like where again, where are the cuts being made, and how how are they being made in a way that doesn't take away from the resources and the educational experiences and opportunities? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I don't think that that's just a cut and dry answer. Right. I think it's complicated. Um, I am really troubled with. Um, the McKinney um, McKinney Vento liaisons. Um, there were two, um, certificated McKinney um, McKinney Lee- Vento liaisons that um, served the whole district. Mm. Which explain is, what they do. So the McKinney Vento program um, serves students experiencing homelessness. Right. And so these were the two individuals at the at the central administration level that worked with all the other schools with students that were experiencing homelessness. Right. So on those, a really
0: close level, right? Like making yeah. sure
3: they got to school and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um and so when we're in a we're in the middle of a housing and homelessness crisis and we, those two positions were eliminated. Mm-hmm. And then split between those two jobs are now, from from what I understand, are now being shared by one person who is also a foster care liaison, along with running McKinney-Vento. And at the end of this last school year, we had 1,800 identified students experiencing homelessness. Wow. So again, when cuts, like, I just don't understand how, if we're looking at the least amount of impact... To students, and and I think that the way that's sometimes justified is the least amount of impact in the classroom. In the classroom, right? But then, where are these really critical resources, and how how are they being um, Im- impacted? And these students, I mean, they're from elementary; they're from K all the way through twelve. Mm. And so, and there are families all over the district that are experiencing homelessness or um, housing insecurity, yeah. right? Or instability, yeah. not, in, but instability. And so I want, I like, I just don't understand how that, a decision like that was made. Right. Um, like,
0: how's that gonna, I mean, they they crow about their eighty nine point three percent graduation rate, and I'm a little like sour about all of this. <laughs> but like, when it's really, if you take away the kids that aren't being counted because they're in alternative schools, it's really more like eighty percent. And then you're doing stuff like making it harder for kids who are facing housing insecurity or instability to get to school because you're taking those resources away. Like, how are you going to keep that mm-hmm. huge graduation rate? You brag about, you know?
3: Yeah. And a lot of the cuts, the way that the cuts have happened, I like, and again, from an outsider looking in, Mm -hmm. seems like it's undoing all of this extraordinary work that the Whole Child Initiative brought forward. Mm -hmm. And... Like the fa- majority of the family engagement liaisons are gone now who were, again, critical resources for supporting students um, and working not just with the McKinney-Vento, but they worked with families and they, you know, like they, they worked closely with the school counselors and the work that they did was essential, again, with this idea of the whole child. Right. Um, and then, you know, we don't have playground supervisors at our elementary schools now or crossing guards. And, Jesus. and 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 uh, you know, and and I, I did, again, I don't know why mm-hmm. that, you know, these I don't know why these decisions were made, but I know that there was a uh, a survey that it was out in the community or offered to the community from the district. And I don't know if it was just for parents or family members um, of TPS students, but um it was a budget survey, so you got to categorize and rate budget decisions like mm. what's important to you and the entire all the questions felt super stacked and felt really um like leading yes yeah so and and leading isn't quite the word it might come to me but mm. like the the one category that really frustrated me and made and stood out to me the most is it was about safety and they had security like security cameras mm. um plainclothes officers Um, um, police officers and playground supervisors and crossing guards. Mm. So when you have to rank those, right, of course. Yeah. And when we talk about student safety, it's, it's a bigger, more complicated issue. Some crazy shit happens on playgrounds. Uh, yes, Mm. I've been out there. (laughs) So I think again, like when you buy into someone's fear, Right. If you're a high if you're a parent of a high schooler, are you really going to care about a crossing guard? Right. But you probably really cared about having a crossing guard or someone on this on the playground to keep your kids safe um, when they were in first grade. Yeah. So, again, like, how are we how are these how is this information being presented to the community and to families still feels like it's got a. Like a, a a bend to it, yeah. That is not again really
0: transparent, right? And yeah, and it's more that like, here you okay, well here you go choose like,
3: but right. Yeah, it was a terrible like it was a terrible category. Um, just that there were others, but that was the one that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And there was no opportunity to provide feedback, right? Right, there was nowhere in that where I could have said. Okay, I absolutely believe that we need to keep our buildings secure, that we need to keep our students safe. And, I mean, depending on where you're at, you know, police in schools, you know, like that gets complicated. Um, You know, students of color don't necessarily feel safer with the presence of police. Right. Right. So I think like that's a complicated. That's that's a complicated thing. But if you but you have to like you have to provide the the community an opportunity to say, here's some of my concerns about these questions. This is a nuanced like you need. Right. It's not black and white. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And that wasn't really an opportunity. Um, and I do, you know, I will give um, uh, Superintendent Santoro a lot of credit because there were a lot of community forums that were being held about here's where we're coming and mm-hmm. here's, right, this is what we're facing. And hardly anyone came. I think I attended two of them out of maybe five I mean, maybe five people showed up. Really? Were they all across the city? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it isn't as if, right, the superintendent wasn't trying to get this information out. So, again, that part of the responsibility is on the community. Yes. Right? Like, we can be outraged during a strike all we want, but then we still have to keep showing up to be a part of the conversation. And when we get – when we, you know, like there was so much outrage a year ago. Right. And as a new candidate, I got to tell you, nobody's really that mad anymore. anymore. I mean, they're, they're, they still feel frustrated and they have resentment about the strike, but nobody's motivated to show up, mm-hmm. to, to come knock doors mm-hmm. in the same way or get people that they, right, they want to have elected. Like that's really there's a lot of apathy, Right. and when it's not in our right, like it's that squirrel effect, right? <laughs> if it's not in our face, then we forget about it, or we're like, "Well, yeah, I was mad about that last time, but it's I'm too busy now." Right. So again, like, how do we how do we keep the community engaged? And that's not all one sided, right? It's mm-hmm. complicated, um, but I think it's really important for um, residents. And families that are connected to the school school district to stay to be engaged as yes. best as they can. And I know um that that it, the school district and the um, school board don't always make that easy. So right? So I want to acknowledge that too, but okay. it isn't like we still have to keep trying. We still have to keep fighting for, you know, not we still have to keep fighting for our own kids Mm -hmm. and our own students, right? And how do we do that in a way that builds collaboration Mm -hmm. rather than division? Right. It's interesting because I think also a lot of the people who are
0: really just, like, frustrated and upset during the strike are not necessarily parents. Like, I know a lot of, like, people i know who are not parents were still like god like come on this is so ridiculous but those are people those aren't people who are going to show up to a school board meeting cuz we're not parents <laughs> like right. so yeah it's how how do you figure out how to keep people engaged and keep people informed too and maybe like right. maybe the school's district should send out you know letters to all voting residents and not just parents mm-hmm. i don't know anyway just an idea um so another uh, another one of these kind of big issues lately I wanted to ask you about is Tacoma started the year with $130,000 in in school lunch debt. Um, So what do we do about that and how would you address it? And what's the best way to handle that?
3: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I've actually really appreciated the coverage that's mm-hmm. actually been in the news Tribune about this um, because it wasn't actually on my radar up until I think maybe in June. Right, was kind of when the like the at that family started paying, Jefferson Elementary, right? right? Mm-hmm. So that was really the first time that that became into my. You know, I'm aware about other things, but I was like, I didn't know that was a thing because I knew. Um, I'm pretty positive it was a piece of legislation Mm -hmm. that was passed so that to remove lunch shaming and to make sure that students all have access and that money right that and breakfast and lunch right right so that that um, money isn't a barrier Mm -hmm. right to eliminate the barriers which I think is really really important Mm -hmm. and I feel and what I understand of it is that the backlash or the Uh, unintended consequence exactly exactly was that all of this lunch debt was then accrued Mm -hmm. so and I have spent fair share amount of my time in an elementary school and middle school um, uh, lunch cafeterias and I've, you know, I've seen, particularly in an elementary school setting, I've actually seen it. I don't believe, that, I think this has been corrected, but there were times when students would take food and then it would be removed from them. Oof. And so I served on – so every school building in the district has um, a decision-making committee that's, like, specific to that site. And so I spent four years serving as a family rep at Geiger and then two years at Bryant. Um, And so we had those conversations, um, particularly – Um, I think some of that had been resolved and it wasn't um, as much of an issue when I was serving at Bryant on that committee. But at Geiger, it was a really big deal. Mm. Um, And it was really frustrating. And actually the paras were the ones that oversaw, they supervised lunch. And they, those reps that worked on the committee, that we worked on the committee together would frequently bring this up and say, we can't uh, can't tolerate staff, you know, food services staff, like shaming and removing food from kids, right? Because it gives us a very, I mean it's Ugh. it's 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 inhumane and and there's another side to that where the person right working for food services like they have a job and a responsibility too and often no one those like the school staff and the food services staff they don't share what their responsibilities mm. are and what are what what is being asked of the people that work in our food our, our lunch cafeterias or school cafeterias so there's a lot i think that um in terms of understanding each other's jobs
2: mm-hmm.
3: goes a long way. Right, right. Um, and so I, I think um, in terms of, like, what to do the with the food um, lunch debt or the, the school food debt, I, I mean, I know it's lunch debt, but it's actually breakfast right. and lunch. So I know that there's been a really big push to get as many families, I think, is I mean possibly inviting every family um, to apply for free and reduced, yeah. just so that you know whether or not they qualify. But just like, hey, let's do this step because I think that that's been um, kind of a a way to try and prevent some of that debt right. occurring this year mm-hmm. is a step that I see the district is taking, um, and I would be really curious to see if that's how that's. Um, Working out like Mm -hmm. is that actually increasing um, students that are receiving services? Because I know that there's language barriers, there's and just paperwork. A lot of people don't have
0: access to all this paperwork, like or don't have the time or don't understand it, like or don't understand like what they need to have in order to where right. they need to bring it, all that shit. I struggle with paperwork.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and I will say I we just in the last week or so, maybe even recently, we got um so my daughters at Wilson and we got an email, a really detailed email from the principal saying, here, like talk this is how you do about, it. yeah, right, about the um free and reduced. Like this is how we do it. And you know, I th- I think that t- Tacoma or TPS has it's over sixty percent frame reduced, um, so that it, like we're a higher poverty school yeah. district, and we're a big school district. Mm-hmm. So um, I I don't know if it's true, but someone at the doors told me today about that there's a grab and go like some food program that I think is that I was told was with the United Way that I'm I haven't had time to go um, look and find out more about that Mm -hmm. but I do think like that to me if that's happening that's the district's way of how do we build in community partnerships yeah right and the district is really really good at, um, at building community partnerships and sustaining them so I think leaning on the community in ways right so it's not a gofundme right right mm-hmm. which is noble and beautiful that that happened but not sustainable no not at all mm-hmm. and and doesn't actually address the problem right exactly yep yeah that's a really good point um
0: it, it would be i mean i know this would i'm sure would never be possible but like what if you could just like automatically make people in certain like families in certain zip codes eligible for free and reduced lunch i feel like that could go a long way but i'm sure that's not possible
3: Well, and I wonder too. Like that could go with that could build a lot of stigma. That could right. right? Like that could make a lot. Like that could be profiling people. And so I I don't know. I I see where that would be problematic. Right. Um, And so I think maybe. I I mean, it seems like a really. a good strategic step is to like try and get as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's a number of different languages um, that um, the paperwork can be translated right. into. And so the district does work pretty hard, from um, my from what I've seen at least, to um, increase at least as many different languages as possible. Mm-hmm. Because we also have um, I've lost. I know I knew at one time how many different languages there are spoken throughout. Um, tps but i don't remember but it was you know it was a high number Mm. so i think that the more we can do that and and lean on other like um you know the um, pacific asian cultural center Yes, right like how do we build that in so that you know they can have interpreters and um you know like a lot of other agencies that work with um marginalized communities or people that are you know within marginalized communities you know um there are translators and how do we, you know, again, how do we reduce the language barrier? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of agencies that do that work. And I know that um, Tacoma um, actively continues to try to improve that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, as And from my limited lens, um, I, it's hard um, because if you put something on a website, that doesn't mean someone has a computer.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or like an email address or the ability to check it every day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And there are plenty of jobs still where people don't have access to a computer or don't need a computer. So it's not like you necessarily have one that you interact with every day. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's see. Let's see. Uh, So you're running against Debbie Winskill, Mm -hmm. who has been on the board for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So why are you the right person for the job?
3: I have um, for 10 years been actively working um, at a grassroots level, um, advocating on behalf of students and families. Um, I've been a champion for families and students. Um, Within that time, I have a working knowledge of and and working experience, not just knowledge, but experience as well, of being in working alongside teachers in classrooms. Um, I've served on a number of committees that where we were tasked with the implementation of budget and policy decisions that were made um, by, you know, from the top down. So I have that lens of um, the impacts Mm -hmm positive and negative and the the gaps in communication and the gaps what feel like like things things get seemed seemingly get decided in silos. Mm. I don't know that that's true but again the the appearance and the experience of these decisions comes across as if they're done in silo and they're not you know, like I, I don't, I also don't really feel like our teachers in, are, are being valued for their professional experience and knowledge. And that, in they, what way? Well, in terms of, um, well, a specific example that I worked with. So when I was, so Geiger and Bryant are both Montessori, mm-hmm. public Montessori schools. And there was a number of years ago that um, the district implemented um, the curriculum math expressions. And Montessori has its own math pedagogy, so their own math uh, type of math that goes along with the Montessori um, system. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, we were told as a committee that um, at Geiger that every school is going to implement math expressions, but both Brian and Geiger were um, designated or designated innovative schools. And Montessori is their innovative learning designation, mm-hmm. and so they were the teachers. Um, no matter what they said, they're like, no, actually, we're teaching Montessori math. So math expressions is actually um, contradictory to Montessori math. But the you know the the end of the discussion was. No matter what, you have to be teaching this.
0: Instead of like valuing the teachers, like, no, we know what we're doing. We know what we're talking right. about. And so
3: what ended up happening is the teachers had to align Montessori math with math expressions. And they did that all on their own time. Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of valuing, it's like, oh, wait. So if we're an innovative district and we have a lot of really great innovative programs, if we're not actually listening to the people Teaching and working within those innovation, innovative yeah. learning systems or styles, then how is that worthwhile? How is that investment worthwhile? Right. It's like any time the government says it wants to be innovative. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right. Anything? Anything else you want to add, Lisa? About uh, well, I guess why you would why you would be yeah the right I, person for the I job. think
3: um, I have um, a proven record of um, increasing access and safety and inclusion and diversity within the district and that um, the, that I align with the work that the district is already doing. I've been a community partner within that work, and so I would bring that forward as a school director. Um, I actually represent the changing families of our community, um, and we have a lot of diversity within our community, whether that's... Um, You know, racial diversity, gender diversity, um, sexual orientation diversity, Mm -hmm. and families are made up of all of that. Mm -hmm. And I work alongside those families and work to improve their experiences and work in partnership and collaborate with educators to how do we do this better? Right? How do we serve better? So I have this, uh, you know, I already have ten years of that experience that I would bring to the board, uh, as to the, you know, as a board director, um, and help continue moving the district in the direction that it's going, that reflects the community that we are today. Mm-hmm. All right,
0: thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you heard on the show today or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, please email me at candace.rood at gmail.com. That's Candace with an I dot rude, R-U-U-D, at gmail.com. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candace Rood and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel
1: 253.